0: I'd like to read please in the first book of Samuel. First Samuel and reading first of all in chapter sixteen. First Samuel chapter sixteen. And reading at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and gold. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons verse 10 again Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel and Samuel said unto Jesse the Lord hath not chosen these and Samuel said unto Jesse are here all thy children and he said there remaineth yet the youngest and behold he keepeth the sheep and Samuel said unto Jesse send and fetch him for We will not sit down, or we will not sit round in a circle, till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in, now he was ruddy, and was all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David his son Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Verse 20 And David rose up early in the morning. Verse 28 And Eliab his eldest brother heard when He spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Verse 32 And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Verse 34, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. Verse 40, and he took his staff in his hand and Choose him five smooth stones out of the brook And put them in a shepherd's bag which he had even in a script And his sling was in his hand And he drew near to the Philistine Verse 48 And it came to pass when the Philistine arose And came and drew nigh to meet David That David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine and David put his hand in his bag and took hence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him but there was no sword in the hand of David Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and threw it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Verse 54, And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem. But he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David, Go forth against the Philistine. He said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. And the king said, Enquire thou whose son the stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand, and Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite." it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and to his garments even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. Now, we do know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his own good word. There's only one David in our Bible. There are many Josephs, there are many Marys, but only one David. That makes him very special. I want you to notice the importance that the Spirit of God places upon David. There are no less than 62 chapters in our Old Testament taken up with his story. That of course is not counting the many delightful Psalms that he wrote. For he is indeed the sweet psalmist of Israel. I want you to notice not only the importance that the Spirit of God places upon David in our Old Testament. You will notice the prominent place that the Spirit of God gives him when we come into the New Testament. Because after the name of the Lord Jesus, the first name to be mentioned after the Saviour's name in the New Testament is the name of this very man. How does our New Testament begin? Matthew 1 and 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David. You'll notice too that... David is the last name to be mentioned in our New Testament, apart from the name of our blessed Saviour. What does the Lord Jesus say in the closing chapter of our Bible? I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. I've just sought to emphasize the importance of the prominent place that God gives this particular man. Of course, we shouldn't be surprised at that. Because when we look at David, whether we look at him as the son of the father or the shepherd tending the flock or as we have read the savior going into the valley of Elah or in chapter 22, the standard bearer, the gathering center in the cave or view him as a sovereign upon the throne. Our mind continually is directed to a greater than he. Our mind is directed to David's greater son. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself. What I would like to do, as the Lord would help me this afternoon, is just to share with you a beautiful fourfold picture of David in the verses that we have read together. And link it up with that beautiful fourfold presentation of the Lord Jesus as we find him in the four Gospels. You'll notice with me that the very first picture we get of David is as a king is as a sovereign I hear God saying to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 and 1 I have provided me a king you will notice that Saul is failed Israel's first king that is a principle in your Bible the first will fail but God ever had in mind the coming of the second for said Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. The first man is of the earth earthy. The second the Lord out of heaven. So David indeed is a beautiful picture of the second man. And God has said I have provided me a king. When I was meditating upon that beautiful statement. My mind was directed to another tremendous statement in our Old Testament. It's the words of Abraham to his son Isaac in Genesis 22. When Isaac asked the question, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? What an answer. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. I'm glad to tell you this afternoon, God has provided a lamb for the altar. And God has provided a king for the throne in those two statements we have the subject of all our Bible the Lamb for the altar the sufferings of Christ the king for the throne the glory that would follow, I quote again Matthew 1 and 1 the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David there is a king for the throne the son of Abraham there is a son for the altar so God has said I have provided me a king. Well the big question now is this. Where can this king be found? Well isn't that the first question? When we come to the gospel of Matthew. And in chapter 2. for Matthew is presenting the dignity of the sovereign Christ. Who will reign and rule absolutely supreme. But the question is asked by the wise men. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Where can we find this king? O oh, the learned men of the day know. Thou Bethlehem of Flata. Though thou believe among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. Whose goings forth have been from a hole. From everlasting. The king can be found in Bethlehem. So that is exactly where Samuel is directed to. He's directed to Bethlehem. And we have read the account. As Jesse brings his sons before Samuel, he brings seven of his sons before him. You know, we're often told, and rightly so, that seven in our Bible is a number of perfection. What do we have here? The perfection of nature the very best that nature can produce what manly specimens but the Lord's anointed is not among them and so it prompts Samuel to ask the question are here all thy children oh no said Jesse there remaineth yet the youngest the word really is this there remaineth yet the least And behold, he keepeth the sheep. I think that's a lovely statement of David. One of the first things we read about him. You you remember one of the first things we read about Saul. He has lost asses and can't find them. That's like the first man, you know. Adam. Oh, what was entrusted to Adam? The glory, the dominion, the power. But he lost it all. How different the second man. He keepeth the sheep. Did not the Saviour say, Of all that the Father giveth me, I have kept. He kept them all. Of all that the Father hath given me, have I lost none, and he never will. We're absolutely safe and secure in his hand. Well, says Samuel, send and fetch For we will not sit down. The word is we will not sit round in a circle until he come in what would have been the point of sitting down if the rightful king is absent it would only be a sham it would only be a formality I was thinking in that regard of the words of the Shulamite in that lovely song in chapter 1. While the king sitteth at his table. The word is, while the king sitteth in the circle. My spikenard sendeth forth the smell thereof. Oh how good it is to know something of the presence of the true David in the circle. In that circle of God's favor we sing. What a circle it is. Well, David is brought in. He was ruddy and was all of a beautiful countenance. And God can well say to Samuel, "Arise, anoint him, for this is." He. I thought of Hebrews one, anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. David, anointed. as a I haven't time to develop that in relation to Matthew. But if you read through, it has been mentioned already by our brother Higgins that Matthew is the gospel and tells us something of the sabbath, the dignity of the sabbath. I want you to notice then when we come to chapter 17, we see David now, not so much as the sovereign, though the anointing oil has been upon his head. But you will notice now David as the servant three times over he refers to himself as the servant thy thy servant will go and fight this Philistine thy servant kept his father's sheep thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and if you're familiar with the gospels you'll appreciate what gospel I'm in now oh it's not the gospel of Matthew presenting the dignity of the sovereign it is the gospel of Mark that presents something of the diligence of the servant of Jehovah, the busy servant at work. The gospel of Mark, of course, is absolutely packed with, packed with activity. I don't know what you feel like, but when I start reading Mark's gospel, I can hardly draw my breath. And he does this, and he does that, and he does something else. Over 1300 times, you get that little joining word, and. The busy servant. The diligence of the servant. You'll notice with me. David just coming at the right time. As a father sends him. With those loaves and cheeses. You know this Goliath of Gath. Who is indeed undoubtedly a picture of the devil. He has been strutting up and down in his pride. Sending out the challenge. Send me a man. But no one could no one could reach the challenge. No one could meet it. Not until David came. I'm thinking now not of forty days. I'm thinking of forty centuries. from the early chapters of Genesis to Matthew chapter 1 that span of 4,000 years and as it were the challenge had been going out sent me a man but no one could meet it until the Christ of God came how wonderful to see him coming just at the right moment I like the way that Paul puts it in Galatians 4 and 4 when the fullness of the time was come at that appointed time on heaven's calendar when the fullness of the time was come God sent forth It's son just coming not a day late not a week too soon but at that precise time, Luke tells me when her days were fully come, just at that very moment that heaven had decreed, the saviour came. I want you now to notice David in another picture. We've looked at him as the sovereign. We've thought of him as a servant. I want you now to notice David as the saviour. For that is how the third gospel writer Luke brings him to our attention. The saviour. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. A saviour which is Christ the Lord. And I want you now to notice the dependence of the saviour. You, you will notice that. That Saul arrays David in his armour. you you see Saul the man of the flesh he he thinks you have to meet like with like he sees Goliath dressed in a coat of mail and a helmet of brass and a sword and so he arrays David the very same you will notice that David said I can't go forth with these why you notice he didn't say They're too big for me. Mind you, I read of Saul. He was head and shoulders above many. That tells me that David was no boy. David was no child. I know a lot of your picture books to pick them like that. I think he was a manly specimen, though he was a youth. He didn't say, I can't go forth on these because they're too big for me he says I can't go forth in these because I haven't proved them but what had he proved? he proved his God proved his God in relation to the lion and the bear when no other eye was looking upon him how wonderful then to see him go down into the valley as a dependent man but that's how Luke presents the son of God you'll notice in all the four gospels it's only Luke that tells me about Christ as the babe there is no more object of dependence than a babe dependent on an earthly mother we've quoted already in these meetings the words of Psalm 22 thou art he that took me out of the womb thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast You notice in the gospel of Luke we find the Savior praying find him praying more in that gospel than any of the other gospels remember what they said of the Savior when he hung on the cross he trusted in God he rolled himself upon his God He was absolutely dependent upon his God. That's how I see David. As he goes down into the valley of Elah. That blessed dependent one. I don't know if you like alliteration. I I like it well. And I noticed in one verse. I read about Goliath. He had a sword. And a shield. And a spear. But I read in another verse about David. David had a staff and a script and a sling you see when you take a staff in your hand you're really dependent on something out with yourself when God would bring his people out of bondage in Exodus 12 oh their loins were to be girded shoes on the feet ah, but God said don't forget the staff in your hand you're going out dependent not on yourself you're going out dependent on me I judge Jacob was an, quite an elderly man when he learnt the need of it you know tried to scheme and plan himself I judge it was at the brook and God had to touch him and touch him severely before he really learnt the need of the staff but mind you that's the way he finished my brother was reminding us this morning of some that started well but didn't finish too well. I tell you, Jacob finished with flying colours. Hebrews eleven. By faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning on the top of the staff. So we see David going down into the valley with a staff. And then and then the script. It's called the Shepherd's Bag. very little changed in shepherding over the years used to keep a lot of sheep and there was a retired shepherd lived not too far from us and he would come up and help out at times I discovered this about him his name was Ben Welsh he had been been a shepherd from his a lad of 13 his father was a shepherd before that and so was his grandfather and every time he appeared he always had the shepherd's bag I asked him about it well I discovered this before I asked him that no matter what emergency a- appeared in relation to sheep Ben just seemed to have the answer in the bag and I remember asking him about it one day well he said when I was just a lad I did shepherding on a mountain and he said I would have left home about 6 o'clock in the morning I, I never knew when I would return. And he said I had to carry, what well we call it, our peace. Carry his lunch in the bag. As well as every requirement for the sheep. And when I thought of that, I thought this script is just a lovely picture of the word of God. There is everything in this book to meet the need of the sheep. And I want to tell you more than that. There is indeed in this blessed book, Food for the Shepherd. You will notice with me that David he he chose five smooth stones and he put them into the script. He's going to face this mighty giant. You notice? He just took one stone out of the script though he had five and he put it in his sling and the one stone out of the five was enough to bring the mighty giant down we were reminded this morning of the temptation of the Lord Jesus those 40 days in the wilderness when he faced a greater than Goliath when he faced the devil himself you will notice that the saviour had one answer what was it? it is written it is written it is written the interesting thing is this that every time the lord jesus quoted he was quoting from the writings of moses moses has written five tremendous books they're just like these five smooth stones but you will notice that just as David only used one out of the five so the Christ of God only used one out of the five books for every time he answered the devil he was quoting from one book and that was the book of Deuteronomy that was enough to silence they ad for So it was here. The one stone out of the five brought the mighty giant down. And then I want you to notice. David ran and stood upon the giant. What did he do? He drew out Goliath's own sword. The very thing, the very thing that Goliath had prided himself with. He drew out the enemy's own sword and with the enemy's own sword he took off the enemy's head. If 1 Samuel 16 is a lovely picture of Hebrews 1 anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows 1 Samuel 17 is a beautiful picture of Hebrews 2 and verse 14. What do I read? I read of the Lord Jesus That's through death The very thing the devil prided himself in, through death he destroyed him, he disannulled him who had the power of death. That is the devil, and delivered them who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You notice that David didn't take Goliath's hands off, or his feet off, took his head off. I think of that first prophetic note in our Bible. Genesis 3 and 15. The seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. I noticed seven times over in First Samuel 17. The head of Goliath mentioned. I tell you what a complete, what a perfect victory was David's. But we have another lovely picture. We have another gospel. You'll notice as David's coming up out of the valley of El- Elah with a trophy of his victory in his hand. They're now asking a question. Whose son is it? Whose son is this tripling of the land? Saul wants to know. Abner wants to know. They all want to know. See, the big, the big sonship question has come up now. Whose son is he? And there was a gospel written just to tell us that. And that was the gospel according to John. If in Matthew we have the dignity of the sovereign. And in Mark the diligence of the servant. And in Luke the dependence of the saviour. When I come to the gospel of John you could write over the 21 chapters. The devotion of the son. Whose son is it? By St. John, in Chapter One and Verse Eighteen, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. We were reminded this morning the language of Nathaniel in that very opening chapter. Thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. By St. John, as he gets to the end of his Gospel, he says, "These things have I written unto you, that you may believe that Jesus." is that Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you might have life through his name. But I want you to notice not only David as the Son. You'll notice David as the great soul winner. For that is how the Lord Jesus is viewed in the Gospel of John. He is the soul winner you know we're not out of chapter 1 of his gospel and there are five individuals one to Christ my said some of them Rabbi where dwellest thou they long to be where he is I trust we all of that long my he says you come and see they came and saw where he dwelt you read through the gospel of John one after another heart after heart is one to him and so it was to David David is the great winner of the heart. You know, I read of Absalom, his son. He says, Absalom stole the hearts of the people. Someone said to me many years ago, he says you could steal the hearts of the people overnight. It takes a lifetime to win their heart. David's the great winner of the heart. And you'll notice as he comes up out, out of the valley what do I read it says the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as his own soul you know as far as Jonathan was concerned not only did David go into the valley for the nation Jonathan appreciated David went into the valley for me he did it all for me I borrow the words of another, the Apostle Paul. In those lovely words of Galatians 2 and 20, he said, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved him as his own soul. How do I know he loved him? Love can only be measured in what it gives says of Jonathan he gave to David his robe that was a big thing that was that princely robe that was the robe that pointed Jonathan out as the future heir to the throne of Israel Jonathan that day relinquished every right to the throne he laid it at the feet of the man that had won his heart He gave him his robe. He gave him his garments, his possessions. He gave him his sword. I learn in chapter 13 there were only two swords in Israel. One in the hand of Saul. One in the hand of Jonathan. He would have prized it. But he laid the sword and led the bow and led the girdle. He laid it all at the feet of David. I, I think that Jonathan... Or maybe I should say rather, Saul of Tarsus, I judge, is a New Testament, Jonathan, in Philippians three. Circumcised the eighth day, the tribe of his is Israel, tribe of Ben, ben Benjamin, Pharisee of, of 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 the Pharisees, as touching the law blameless. Oh, I tell you, he prided himself on them all. one glimpse one glimpse of of the glorified man in heaven what did he do he tells us in Philippians 3 what things were gained to me and so they were what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ I judge that's exactly what Jonathan was doing everything that was gained to him he left it at the feet of the man that had won his heart this would be a good conference if we could do that we sing I trust we mean it Were are the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small love so amazing so divine demands my heart my life my all may God bless his word